0: All right, well, welcome back to another episode of uh, Experience Architecture, the state and future of uh, loyalty and CRM marketing. Uh, my very special guest today and an old dear friend is uh, Matthew Quammen. Uh We call him Kwami, but he probably wants to be known as Matt here on the podcast. Uh, he is the Senior Director of Client Solutions at Engagement Labs. And uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. It's an honor to be here. Um, Matt, just to kick things off, for folks who are uh, not in the social listening space or the social listening game, uh, what does Engagement Labs do? And uh, explain to us what the uh, total social
1: score is. Absolutely. So at a high level, what's foundational and and really differentiated about our company is uh, that we listen to both online and offline. Uh, Going back maybe seven, eight years ago when social listening was a fairly new thing, Uh, And I was at Oracle working with major clients trying to derive some kinds of insights out of social media. It's been a major challenge for brands. You see, historically, there have been lots of brands, Coca-Cola being one example, that made decisions based on negative social media feedback. And what they didn't understand was understanding their customer versus their consumer, and also getting lost in all the voices on social media rather than the ones that matter. So, ultimately, what we have found through our research is that online and offline conversations equate to sales about equally. Uh, Brand to brand, that'll change a little bit, Um, but it's about 10% each that we can attribute directly to the conversations people are having about your brand. So, what we do that's really unique is we meet with brands, we we listen to their social media, what's being said not only on your traditional Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, but also the blogs, um, especially industry blogs for certain brands. We understand what's being said online, but then we also listen to what conversations are happening. Um, Joe, I think in our private lives, we know that that conversations where people are representing themselves online can be vastly different than the conversations they're having offline. That's true of brands as well. That's very true of what people say about brands uh, and understanding what they're True intent is and what they're actually going to buy versus which, what posture they're holding via social media or in a conversation. Uh, and finding that true intent is really the goal of Total Social.
0: That's, uh, that definitely makes sense. So talk to me a little bit more, Matt, about offline listening. Because everyone knows you know, there's a bunch of platforms out there that you know, go out and you know, they're looking for hashtags, they're looking for keywords you know, for specific brands, attributed to specific brands. None of that is rocket science anymore. But what you guys do is you pair that offline listening uh, together with that online listening. How does that work? What's, what's the mechanics behind it that puts that all together?
1: Ultimately, the mechanics behind it is asking. It's a daily survey that's fielded, uh, which we then score on a weekly basis um, to to account for any outliers. But really, it's about what do you say when you're with your friends? What have you? uh, It can and the method of conversation doesn't matter. It can be an instant message, a text message, um, or it can be around the campfire. Uh, It can be backyard at a barbecue. It can be around the kitchen table. Um, understanding what brands are on top of people's minds and then understanding both the sentiment behind it and what was driving that conversation to the extent with which a brand's uh, media your media buys or your uh, content that you're pushing has affected either positively or negatively those conversations both in volume and in sentiment um, can lead to much better decisions on a media buy a marketing strategy um, and a communication standpoint
0: Gotcha. Well, we were talking a little bit before the show on the various silos that you guys encounter when you go into clients, when it comes to online, offline marketing research that they may or may not have done, how they perceive their customer base. Talk to me a little bit about how you guys break down those silos uh, with your product and provide a more
1: holistic view of what people are really saying. Absolutely. Well, I think at a high level, uh, silos within major enterprises are, are something that inhibits change and innovation. Uh, and we've seen in, in a marketing stamp, from a marketing standpoint that that's very common. Uh, most companies have both one, com- one group that listens to online conversations, tries to derive insights and strategies from that. A separate group, completely separate, will do the same thing offline, whether it's, uh, if it's Target here in town, they're doing in-person surveys, they're doing customer feedback surveys uh, to try to get direct customer feedback which is completely uh, uncorrelated to their online conversations, and the teams aren't even strategizing together. Um, then from that standpoint as well, it gets very muddied when you're looking at what are consumers saying about your brand, people that you're trying to get in the door. Generally, what we're finding is that's a different team than people who are responsible for upselling or, um, or continue, you know, getting you to come back to Target, using the Target example. So what I think is really important, what we've found is breaking down those silos and understanding who, we are, who you want to be as a brand, thinking about, okay, just because this is a great strategy online for our existing customers for upsells, what's the effect of that with, your, with the offline conversations about your brands or people who are not likely to come visit your brand? What are those effects? Because ultimately, we're all working in the same ecosystem and you need to understand the total effects that are happening there. Definitely. Definitely. So, so you guys do this social listening,
0: not just for your existing clients of which you guys have a pretty, you know, pretty nice list of folks that already work with you. Um, But you do social listening on some of the top brands out in the space and you guys have noticed trends, Um, or seen things happen in real time and, and you would have had different advice for the company or you would have had different advice for, you know, the mob or the masses who are reacting to a particular event, you know, that happened in, uh, in social, in social media. Most specifically, I mean, the first one, the easiest one that we always have to talk about in these conversations is Nike's, uh, Copernicus, you know, uh, ad that has, uh, as we all know, driven incredible business for Nike. But at the time uh, when uh, when they released that ad, that had you know there was a lot of people who thought Nike was going to drive their business into the ground by taking a stance uh, on the whole NFL national anthem situation. So, um, what did you guys see on the data side, and how would you have
1: advised Nike at the time? Uh, first off, on the data side, what we saw right out of the gate was uh, enormous spikes in both online and offline conversations about Nike. Uh, we actually saw more positive conversations online than offline as a percentage, um, which I guess wasn't that surprising to us. What was surprising really is, is that uh, despite all the negative comments out there about them, ultimately the amount of positive conversations about brands, especially specifically compared to their competitors in the Imperial space, their share of the positive conversations went up, um. I like to joke that there was a lot of people wearing new balances that were boycotting Nike's. So, uh, ultimately it's about understanding your customer. I think in this example, Nike did a very good job of that. Um, one thing I would be wary of is we did see that, that it was really a, a short term positivity spike after two weeks. Uh, the overwhelming positivity to the brand really has trailed off. Negativity has stayed high. Um, so what i think is most interesting and really this would be different advice for nike than it would be um, for maybe a more mass retailer if you're nike and your goal is to have very very engaged uh, millennial gen z gen y consumers going out there and buying everything as a loyal customer i think what they did makes incredible sense um they may lose an overall number of uh of of total customers that are buying Nikes, but those people that are buying Nikes are becoming much more loyal. Let me contrast that for a second with uh, Amazon as an example. So Amazon has, I believe it's 120 million Prime subscribers, Mm -hmm. somewhere in there. Uh, The most successful loyalty program on the planet. The most successful loyalty program on the planet, uh, for now. As we know, they've kind of plateaued over the last six months but anyway back to as far as brand perception amazon would would be very uh, i think dangerous to do something similar as, as what nike did with this ad um being that they they have such a market share their margins are so much lower and they're relying on on many more customers i don't know that the net increase in people using amazon their subscribers would would go down drastically um so ultimately, you got to make a decision as a brand. If your goal is to have a segment of highly loyal customers that are buying everything from you, I think taking a political stand like this makes a very, very um, compelling argument and, and is showing results as you see at Nike and temporary sales bumps. But if your goal is to be more mass retail, um, have hundreds of millions of Americans buying from your brand. I do think it's uh, it's better to stay away from some of these touchy situations. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. You, you made the comment that
0: Nike initially had spikes in positive sentiment towards the brand post the ad, and then that trailed off after two weeks, and then you know negativity remained high for a while. Um, did the positivity spikes remain high in certain age cohorts? Millennial and Gen Z has that... Have they maintained that level, or did that
1: plateau off and the negativity just wasn't as high? They have le- they have stayed at that level in the offline space, okay, which also backs up some of our research that we've seen that offline is more of a has more of a staying power when you can inspire loyalty in the offline space. Um, people are more likely to share with their peers in that space rather than constantly getting into an argument over and over again on Facebook, like we've all done. Right. Um, online, they have really leveled off. And I think that's, that's to the effect of, of what I just mentioned that nobody wants to have the same conversations over and over on the internet. Once you've said your piece about Nike, I don't think people are going back every week and saying, hashtag support Nike, hashtag Kaepernick, just to remind everybody where I stand. (laughs) Um, I think sure. people like to say their piece in the online space, and then and then kind of fall into the background. But I do think those those um, subsets, like you mentioned, like we'd all guess, Gen Z, Gen Y, um, younger millennials, um, really, have, and, and then politically leaning people politically leaning towards the Democrat side, um, have stayed loyal in the offline space, and I think you'll see the results of that moving forward. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. One last question
0: on the Nike uh, situation. Did you guys see any brands that were, you know, from a, from a values perspective, different from Nike or a counterbalance to Nike, getting the negative spike for Nike correlated
1: to a positive spike for them? We really haven't. Um, we saw some traffic increases for Adidas and Under Armour in the U.S. Okay. But most of those mentions were uh, hashtag boycott Nike, hashtag Under Armour. Okay. Um, I don't, we didn't think that the sentiment was strong enough to say, okay, these are, these, are going to go per, these are people that are going to go purchase from Under Armour or from Adidas. Uh, and really, in that space, my perception as a consumer is that the other brands really haven't taken a stand and tried to differentiate themselves. If you had an Under Armour, for example, that came out and and, uh, went the other way, I think you may see a positive effect there. Um, But we haven't seen that to this point. I think that's why Nike really hasn't been... The people boycotting Nike and leaving Nike really haven't been consolidated by one of their competitors. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: All right. Well, let's stay in the political vein of things uh, for a while uh let's talk about you know uh the two favorite you know characters in american politics today trump and hillary (laughs) what trends have you guys seen when it comes to brands when it comes to those political figures in the social listening space and you know comment how you know you guys would would take that information to advise brands on either like with amazon like you're saying just stay middle of the road don't don't rock the boat. Or with Nike, yeah, my, maybe it's a good move, even if it's not associated with one of those political figures directly. Support, you know, support a,
1: a value, support a stand. Well, um, what we've seen, especially in the online space, and, and what makes it interesting as far as, as far as combining the online and offline, is if Trump mentions your brand in one of his tweets, your social listening data is going to be completely um, destroyed forever. There's no coming back from that point. It's (laughs) Armageddon for your social, uh, at least from a data analytical perspective. Sure. Uh, You're just going to have to throw out that probably next 60 days. What's interesting is I've I've seen studies that upwards of 20% of Twitter's market cap is due to Donald Trump. Same thing with Facebook. I I read a study that was 25% of Facebook because all the traffic and conversations are centered on Donald Trump. Um, If you're a brand that's seen as aligning with him, you're going to get a lot of feedback one way (laughs) or the other. If you're aligning or not aligning, you're going to get a lot of feedback. Um, If it's only in the online space, we don't think that's indicative of future sales. Sure. If it's then translating to offline where people are talking to each other and saying, one way or the other, uh, then, that's, then that's completely different. I think a great example of that is Delta during the, um, when, they, when they took away the membership discount for the NRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delta was ripped heavily, online was boycott Delta, offline we didn't really see anything. Um, I think it was just, I think there's just a lot of people that want to jump on, on a bandwagon we're seeing almost cultish figures like Donald Trump in both hate and love for the man. Um, and brands are are being skewed in that. So Delta really had a negligible change. Both the people who were saying good for Delta, they were still buying whatever airline they were buying before. And people who were saying boycott, uh, Delta because of this discount, um, not many people were leaving. Not many people were tra- right. rolling over their Delta miles to another airline. Right. I mean, and if they'd asked
0: us in the loyalty marketing space, we could have told you, you know, you know, the major airlines, their hub and spoke. If you're at, if you're in a hub here in Minneapolis, we fly Delta. I mean, right. I mean, you can be, you can save a few bucks and you can fly Southwest, and they got, they're really friendly, et cetera. I care about my Sky Miles. I care about my status, my medallion status. I mean, it would take a lot. You know, for me to not fly Delta, and it would be huge. It would be a huge pain in the ass. So, um, you know, Delta making that move. I mean, Delta's revenue is is pretty secure based on you know their model and you know supporting the NRA
1: or not supporting the NRA. It really doesn't really doesn't matter. Yeah, definitely agree. Definitely agree. Uh, getting back to the political brands point um, and and seeing where brands lie. First on. Hillary and Donald. We were mentioned in Hillary Clinton's uh, postmortem book, What Happened. They actually cited research from Engagement Lab COO Brad Fay, who mentioned that while the online conversation was still skewing heavily and all the survey data was skewing heavily towards Hillary winning, all the offline conversations were surprisingly positive about Donald Trump especially after, after James Comey's letter about a month before the election. Um, what's really interesting, I have a lot of friends who, for the people who don't want to believe in data, they can point to the 2016 presidential election and go, take that for data. Your surveys and all these geniuses are saying 97% Hillary's going to win. My perspective on that and what we're seeing is a lot of people were having conversations about Donald Trump, but saying... Um, absolutely, I'm not going to respond to your study. I'm not going to say that I'm voting for him because I don't want to deal with it. And there was an inherent distrust of the man, for right. lack of a more timely reference. Um, so people weren't self-reporting in these surveys as, as voting for him. When, people, when the underlying data is flawed, ultimately your, your projections based on that data are going to be wrong. Just because, so that's why it's important to understand the, the total picture mm-hmm. um, and not leaving stones unturned, letting people not self-report, uh, having a skewed data set that you're projecting off of, um, and again, ultimately ignoring big pieces of the conversation. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, let's let's just
0: stay let's stay super political <laughs> for a moment, and uh, I found this one so interesting. Um, you know the the gun debate, like everything else, is is one of the most divisive issues in American politics. Um, after one of the most recent horrible tragedies, Dick Sporting Goods uh, stops carrying the AR-15. And uh, based on that tragic event and, and people calling for Dick Sporting Goods to stop calling the, carrying the AR-15, from a purely consumer capitalistic perspective, how would you guys at Engagement Labs? You know have have advised them versus how what what dick sporting goods ultimately
1: decided to do well really I, I don't think it's about advice I think it's about understanding the data if you want to make a stand as a brand um, you absolutely should but understand the implications and, and have a full picture of your brand is is what I would say otherwise you're gonna walk down you're walking down the plank um, so anyway with the dick sporting good example when when They had, obviously, lots of vitriol online. Uh, Offline conversations we saw were were largely positive, and volume in both spaces went up drastically. Uh, Similar to demographics for Nike, the Gen Y, Gen Z were very, very positive about Dick's Sporting Goods. Again, not to be a cynical capitalist, but it did really help that a lot of kids were going back to school shopping, that they were going and buying basketball shoes. Um, And all those things that are very high margin for Dick's Sporting Goods, which I don't believe sold a lot of AR-15s prior to ending this program. Um, And a lot of kids, a lot of left-leaning folks, um, a lot of parents that were concerned about their kids uh, and seeing what Dick's did as as a solution to gun violence in schools. uh, We're saying, let's go support them. Uh, To the business side of it, Dick's released a statement lowering their quarterly forecast for sales by 4%, which, when you're as large as Dick Sporting Goods, uh, is an is a enormous adjustment. They cited all the uh, boycotts that they're hearing in the online space, uh, all the people that are saying, I'm never coming back there again. It's unlike anything they had ever seen in terms of negative online feedback from consumers. Missing that offline piece where positive conversations were happening and a lot of them frankly um really cost them because six weeks later they released their quarterly results after they lowered their forecast for sales by four percent their stock fell by six percent their sales came in and their sales actually went up they missed their sales forecast by eight percent rather than sales going down four percent they went up four percent again largely on other items not on guns but on your uh your apparel and things like things of that nature.
0: So people weren't swooping in really early before they removed the ar Fifteen from the shelves to go get one real quick. No, it was, it was people going in and buying basketball shoes.
1: Absolutely, and I think you have a more loyal customer there by taking a stand. Right. Um, but as far as as far as being a dirty capitalist again, missing your quarterly sales forecast at that level by eight percent is something close to unforgivable. Uh, the stock still took a hit because they missed by so much. And when Wall Street says you don't know your business, they don't invest. Uh, it was a big problem for Dix. Missing that that other side of the picture was just enormous and a, and a big problem for them. Um, so ultimately, I think, I think it's fine. And, and I wouldn't advise any brand against taking a stand, especially when they feel strongly about it. But understand what you're getting into. Understand if you're going to have a long-term positive movements understand what consumers are saying both online and offline about you Um, really understand your business and and the full landscape of of what happens happens with consumers Uh, because taking a stand is a great thing for causes you believe in I fully support that with with anybody on any side of anything but not understanding your business and not understanding your consumer and not understanding the implications of taking that stand uh, as a dirty capitalist, I can't support. <laughs>
0: for sure, for sure. So, aside from you know, I hope Wall Street has a, accounts with Engagement Labs. If not, all you Wall Street traders who are you know listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm sure there are many. Matt um, uh, need to need to go open an account by calling calling Matt Kwamen up, and he'll set you up at Engagement Labs. Um, let's let's stay on the dirty capitalist side of things. How does Engagement Labs make money? how do you, how do you, what's your guys' business model for, you know, uh, when a brand gets engaged with you ultimately, what do you guys see as your role? You have the social listening platform, you're providing the data. What, what, how does your guys' business fall into the marketing tech world, uh, that we
1: have out there? Absolutely. So we see ourselves as a, as additive to what you're, what most brands are doing on the consumer or customer insights. Um, finding that other side of the picture and also understanding what the data means is is very important. So like a lot of companies, we have a platform, we will score your brand on a weekly basis, we're updating your score. What's your total online score? Both in terms of how often people are talking about you, how positive uh, and and what conversations are your media buys or your media marketing efforts uh, resulting in and how positive are those conversations. We do the same thing in the offline space. So you get a total online score, a total offline score. Together, we call that a total social score, combining the two. So we for brands, a lot of times we have history, well over three years, some as far as 12 years back. Um, so brands can look back on, on what's been successful. They can track themselves uh, from week to week, understand the data. Um, and ultimately figure out ways to improve the conversation about your brand and understand the total picture. Um, so you get access to that full portal, you, uh, brands that work with us also have a, have one of our data scientists assigned with them so they can help model their, their marketing strategies um, based on previous performance and be, be actual predictive of sales. So we like, like to have a seat at the table to help marketing teams strategize show people which what what chords they can strike with consumers to bring more revenue in how to do it uh, what people are very perceptive to their brand and very positive about their brand um, and then ultimately let the creatives decide everything else as far as how we're going to put this message together and and uh, win our awards so we like to be part of the research for for these brands and, and we like to to be a partner in helping model your future efforts.
0: That's awesome. Uh well, last question before we go, I've got to bring it back to my wife Gabby. So, Gabby's we we got to buy a new washing machine and we were talking about this a little bit before the show, um although we didn't have a time to finish off and I won't I won't reveal on the podcast which way we go, but we definitely know we're going to go with a Whirlpool brand washer. Um, which 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 of the brands underneath Whirlpool, and you can just buy Whirlpool directly. Based on you know your guy's total social
1: score, should Gabby go out and buy? Well, it depends on your political beliefs. Um, <laughs> no, Gabby should get whatever she wants. She deserves the best of the best. Um, but as far as, uh, as as far as Whirlpool, what, what we found that's really interesting is looking at these companies that have multiple brands and what people say about those brands. So Maytag and KitchenAid are both owned by Whirlpool. Maytag has very strong brand strength with Republican voters, self-identified Republican voters, and KitchenAid has very strong, um, very strong consumer brand perception with Democrat voters. So and and they're both very negative with, <laughs> with the opposing <laughs> political party. <laughs> so I haven't reviewed enough of their media buys and, and what they're putting out there, but it's just very interesting that uh, Whirlpool has two different brands. I I would love to understand if it's part of their marketing strategy for Maytag to go after Republicans and Kitchenaid to Kitchenaid to go after Democrats. Um, but that's how it's playing out in the marketplace, and uh, and it's very strange in our data, and it's been going that way for. Nine years through our through our data history with them. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Well, if you if you ever over at
0: our house, you'll see that all of our appliances are Samsung, which means <laughs> that we're we're right now in the middle. Unfortunately, our Samsung washer keeps breaking. I don't know what that says about that product. Sorry, Samsung. <laughs> if you want to send me a free washer to amend my statement, that's totally fine. Um, but uh, when we make our next purchase, uh, you'll be able to tell whether or not you know we're Republican or Democrat based on the uh, the washing machine that we.
1: Bye. Yeah, and everybody at home, cover up your brands. Otherwise, everybody who comes to your home is going to know <laughs> which way you voted. <laughs> and in my experience in CRM, it's very important that you have the right partner. Um, I have sold CRM systems for for five, six years, and been a part of some great projects and some not so great projects. So be very uh, be very mindful when you're selecting both a CRM and loyalty system that you probably want to start from the loyalty out and start with your customer data and keep that correct. Um, And more importantly than that, you gotta have the right partner on the other side of the table who's going to make the technology not only work for you, but the deployment work for you. Um, So reach out to Joe. Joe's a friendly guy. He'll uh, He'll wear his favorite pink shirt for you and maybe one of his hats thanks Matt appreciate it man alright well Matt thanks so
0: much for taking the time man it's uh, great to see you Uh, this is Matt Quammen Uh, he is again the uh, Senior Director of Client Solutions at Engagement Labs Uh, Engagement Labs Matt's info is all linked below if you found any of this interesting or intriguing and you want to hear more reach out to Matt he's a friendly guy he'd love to talk to you and talk to you about what uh, Engagement Labs may or may not have on your brand Uh, For everything about Persuade Loyalty, want to buy a loyalty system, CRM, or just talk Loyalty Nerd Tech, um, give us a ring. And uh, thanks so much for listening.